Hello, I'm Sophie Airy and I'm joined today by Nick Timmins and Ed Davies, who have just brought out an unusual book of interviews with 10 of our most recent health secretaries. The book, cryptically entitled Glaziers and Window Breakers, is published by the Health Foundation. So Nick, why the title? That came from Virginia Bottomley, who, who said you've got to recognise there are cycles in these things. Uh, and there are times when you want a glazier and there are times when you want a window breaker. And, you know, Ken Clark and obviously Alan Milburn were window breakers. They felt the system needed really serious reform. And so, indeed, up to a point was Waldegrave, because he was the one who actually implemented uh, the purchase of Ireland in 1991. And then he wanted a glazier to come along and calm everything down and get it running and working on. And then a new set of problems arise and you want a window breaker again. And yet there are no doubt times within one health secretary's term in office when they have to play both those roles. Well, exactly, which is why you shouldn't push the quote too far and try and say, is this Secretary of State for Health a glazier or is he? Because they're, they're all bits of both at various times, but clearly some have more fans smashing windows than others. Now, you know them all well, and you've both, Ed and you, have sat down, and they there are some very frank and relaxed comments that you don't normally hear from health secretaries. It was a slightly different set of questions to the one you normally ask, because it wasn't, what did you do? What do you think mattered? It was about, what do you think the job is? So normally when you interview them, you're tackling them on particular bits of policy or particular events or whatever, or making them think back on particular events. This was an attempt to get them to describe what they think the job is and what it should be. I think also for some of them, this was a, a good opportunity to talk about what they did. Um, I think there were a couple of them notably. I think Patricia Hewitt almost saw it as slightly cathartic at times. Uh, maybe that's overstating it. But it was really interesting to hear her talking through the problems she had uh, and hearing her sort of her side of the story. And again, Andrew Lansley gives a, a huge, thorough account uh, of his reforms in 2012, which I haven't really heard in so much detail before. Mm. Uh, and it makes fascinating reading as well to hear him step, sort of guide you through why he did that and where he thinks it'll go as well. And did any... What, what can you pick out from from all of these interviews that for you was perhaps the most surprising thing or the most revealing thing that that any of them said about what they think the job is well uh what's very clear is that personality and behavior matter just the personality and behavior of the secretary of state sort of trumps the structures it trumps the legislation they behave in different ways so someone like Stephen Dorrell was much more sort of chairman of the board-like approach, whereas Frank Dobson happily, quite happily said, well, you're up to a point, I've got, I haven't got a problem with command and control, it's part of the Secretary of State for Health's job. I think one of the things that came out was there weren't party political themes. Like, it came a lot down to individual behaviour, and the themes would have been individuals that behaved like each other rather than party members that behaved like each other. And also who they were working with and the, the, the personalities of the people they were in government with. Yeah, yeah, and that's very interesting. And that's something that's come out since the book came out slightly, actually, is the importance of advisors um, that politicians have and how that might influence their thinking, whether they have a, a communications advisor or a technocrat advisor and that sort of thing, and how that will influence the way they work. Relationships with the prime ministers was also interesting. I mean, it's not often discussed, but it clearly matters a lot. So, I mean, Clark, you know, Ken Clark and Thatcher famously made, both made their minds up by furious arguments, so their relationship was consisted of mega rows to get to conclusions. Um, but as Alan Johnson put it, you know, under governments of all colours, you get number ten, number ten descending and wanting to say something about health. So, what can you fish up? What initiative can you come up with? Uh, and th- and there's a sense that it's part of the Secretary of State's job to 
try and keep the prime minister away from it too much. And Clark was most blunt about this. You know, when they, mm. you know, when they start panicking and getting, it's, it's, it's the duty of the Secretary of State for Health to get him or her out of the way. They don't know how to run the health service, and if you don't do that, they rush off taking photo opportunities and announcing what they're going to do and trying to get command and control, and they can't do it. So it's your duty to keep them out of the way. Um, all of these people are people who've held other. Um, very senior roles in other ministries. So how unique is is the definition of the role for them? Do they feel that there's something very different about this job? Well, pretty much unanimously, they said it was, I think it is unanimous, it was, they all said it was the hardest job they ever had. Um, I think there were sort of various reasons for that. Um, one of the... Uh, I suppose, I mean, particularly coming from the likes of, uh, of Ken Clark and Alan Johnson, who have done so many jobs in government, it's quite striking that they would say that. Um, but I think also sort of the likes of William Waldegrave as well, who are very bright, capable people who just said this is a hard job. But similarly, I think the things that made it hard, they also enjoyed about the job. Like it is a challenge. They all talk mm. about the challenge of it. Uh, and William Waldegrave, again, he talks about you meet some of the, the brightest people in the country constantly at the, I think he talks about the top and bottom of every mm. professional pyramid you have bright, hard-working mm. people to work with, which makes it hard, but also mm. quite satisfying. I mean, it's also tough because just because of the emotion. I mean, healthcare mm. is an emotional load that no other ministry does. Yeah. Um, did you get the impression, or did anyone say, um, that it's something that, you know, when the jobs are being handed out, and everyone hopes they're not going to land it, or everyone hopes they will land it? Did they say it was a job nobody wanted? No, no. Um... I think but, they, but it is very interesting that they they all say that it's the hardest job, and that that's partly to do with the budget that you're um, in charge of, and the emotive aspects of health. Yep, and and the way you're held accountable, because it's health, and because uh, you know all ministers are accountable for what they do, but mm. you're absolutely. And part of the book is about handling this tension between people expecting you to be accountable for everything, mm. and knowing that actually, actually, literally in practice, you cannot be. Mm. And yet you are accountable. So there's that, that's, I mean, that's the tension the whole book tries to explore. I think there was certainly an element as well of there's no, there's no job description and there's no preparation. So, I mean, Frank Dobson talks about how he felt having worked in business beforehand doing stuff was a great help when he was actually in that job. But there's, you know, they could have been anything before. Yeah. Um, and it, was it uh, Virginia Bossomley who talked about um, how it's, it's like a family business and you have the stupid one and you have the bright one and the numbers one and everything and you've got to get them all in somehow and so you, you could end up coming from anywhere in a sense. And did you feel after talking to them all that there was any one in particular who you think probably because of their personality was was most comfortable in the job and others who were never comfortable? I didn't think there was anyone who was never comfortable. Um... I mean, well, this is a very personal observation, but, you know, Clark, Ken Clark is the one politician who never appears to stress. <laughs> you know, when he was Chancellor or when he was Home Secretary, he'd deal with the most amazing events and somehow be very relaxed about him, about it all. That was part of his appeal. It was uh, notable that his advice to the next incumbent was just to get stuck in and enjoy it. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people have sort of, you know, do this, then the other was like, enjoy just it. have fun. Yeah. yeah. It was, I was quite interested, so I hadn't... Um, ever met William Waldegrave before um, and he in, when we invited him he downplayed what he would have to say 
But I think he was an enormously, his, his interview is very insightful. And you're talking earlier about where we interviewed them. He, he has been out of politics for quite a while. I don't know if the space gave him that. But he's now, he, he works at Eton College. And so meeting him there, this sort of step removed from Westminster, he seemed to have a sort of perspective that maybe not everyone had. Um, and I think also meeting them gave you a bit more sympathy for them in that I think it's what what you read in the in the paper or see on the telly is a, a very narrow lens of, of certain issues that come up and things like that. But, for example, hearing Patricia Hewitt talk about dealing with the overspend in the NHS, you, you actually felt quite sorry for her. She inherited actually a she pretty was, awful situation. She, she said she was shocked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she does, yeah. She said that, you know, this suddenly came out and she had no idea and that actually you know she did a, a pretty good job under pretty difficult circumstances what about um for people who haven't yet read these interviews um tell us some of the most interesting comments that you just remember people saying either interesting in that you weren't expecting them to say these things or interesting as a, a very useful analysis of what the job is well i think it I think the value of it is if you read them, it's not a handbook, it's not a manual about how to... But it does make you think about what the nature of the job is. So, so there are some great quotes in it. I mean, Stephen Dorrell says, of, you know, you can't legislate away responsibility. It comes back to bite you. You can set all these structures, but in the end, there's an accountability in a tax funding system you can't get away from. Um, there's, a, there's a quite famous story that when Ms. Staffordshire first blew up, and they had to decide what to do. You know, Johnson was health secretary, and he turned to David Nicholson and said, "You know, what, they agreed they have to get rid of the chief executive, get rid of the chairman, kind of start again." And of course, it's just become a foundation trust. And technically, the only people who could get rid of the board, apart from the governors, were, was Monitor, which had approved it. So, chief executive of Monitor says, in a sense, entirely correctly, "You know, under what legal authority are you going to do that, Secretary of State? Because actually, it's Monitor's job to do that." To which Johnson says, "Well." piss off we're dealing with this i mean i'm the secretary say i'm accountable i'm up in the house tomorrow answering questions i've talked to the prime minister it's public money going in there i'm accountable don't give a damn what the legislation says mm. what's about you ed I, I, uh, a lot of the as nick was saying it's not a sort of manual but a lot of the anecdotes really inform a lot of really interesting thoughts so he mentioned the importance of context and another example of that that came up was with andy burnham and he says when you think of my tenure you might think about mid-staffs but the immediate thing was swine flu yeah. and that was something that he had could do nothing about and he talks about how Alan Johnson had basically managed to push off this being a pandemic until the job until Andy Burnham came in and three days later boom it's a pandemic and they have to deal with it and they went into command and control mode as he says well you know Milburn has given plenty of interviews over his time in office and so you know there's quite a lot of him on the record but I mean I thought one of the you know he, he quite forcefully made the point that um you know people keep saying if only the politicians would get out of this it would all be all right and he said, well, I think you've got to be rather careful about that uh, because if you do that, nothing changes. He said, you know, the NHS is a bureaucracy and the nature of bureaucracies is, is, is bureaucracies tend not to change very easily. So every now and then you need a shock and politics provides that shock. So while he's entirely in favour of ministers not being involved in day-to-day management, and, you know, and if you look at what he did in his time, introducing more market-like mechanisms, that was all meant to distance ministers from day-to-day involvement. So he's in favour of all that. But at the same time, he says, you know, you can't, if you say, if you think you can take politicians out completely, then the system will never change. change. Yeah. OK, and Frank Dobson, what, what was the most striking thing about the, the points that he had to make about the role? 
Well, Frank very much saw the job as having to make things happen. Though it's interesting the examples he cited, which is not about trying to sort out what's going on on the ward. It was things like uh, trying to get a new type of hearing aid in. So the old hearing aids back in the 90s all whistled and blurped and beeped and cost 600 quid or whatever and got half of them got thrown in the drawers in fortnight because they didn't use them. And digital hearing aids were just coming in. They were incredibly expensive. They were about 1,000 against... 60, I think. The difference is £60 to a 1000 So he said, well, you know, suppose he went to the manufacturer and we bought half a million of the things. What would they cost? And the cost came down to 120 And he said, well, why don't we do that? We'll spend £120 on something that works rather than £60 on something that doesn't work half the time. That's part of the Secretary of State's job. That's very much managerial, command and control. And, you know, he described getting NHS Direct up and running where, you know, there were three different algorithms for the software and he said civil servants how are we going to do that and they said oh well we think we can make a judgment and he said well I don't think you know so we're going to run three pilots and it turned out that the British software he says was pretty useless they used a different one and then it would they'd got it and they were rolling it out bit by bit and there was a civil servant in charge of it and it was all going beautifully and Frank said I discovered this guy had been promoted and moved elsewhere and I said well where's Jenkins gone up you know I said he's been promoted and he said Frank says well so he should be promoted, he says, you know, and, and, but bring him back. I want him running this programme. He should be promoted and paid more, but bring him back. Mm. Very hands-on. Yeah. That's not trying to run the ward, but it is the Secretary of State running the department. And it might be more hands-on than you might imagine, yeah, given well, everything they've yeah. got to... Yeah, and yeah, there are various other examples he gives. I suppose one other thing that came up was around Andrew Lansley was in his mind, the focus initially on public health was the first thing he talked about and the last thing he talked about, but obviously not what he was remembered for. Mm. And I, I don't know, I don't really know what, to, what, what you learn from that, but obviously what he is remembered for is not what he thinks is most important. No. Well, of course, his, his, his ideal aim was to turn the Department of, Department of Public Health with the NHS merely the responsibility of a junior minister once he got the commissioning board set up, NHS England set up, rolling annual mandate to look after itself. Doesn't need the minister involved in at all. So comes the Department of Public Health. Well, that didn't happen. But they all have an interest in public health at times. I mean, hmm. you know, people forget Waldegrave produced actually a very important public health white paper, Health of the Nation, uh, which sort of set a load of targets for reducing smoking and obesity. Well, obesity we haven't succeeded, but smoking we got made a lot of progress on. So they will have... But, you know, the interviews were very much focused on the relationship of the Secretary of State to the NHS as opposed to, you know, they have a much wider remit, obviously. Yeah. Public health, R&D, relations with the pharmaceutical industry, all sorts of stuff, that not just the NHS. Did any of them... Where did, did you talk to any of them about where they see things going in that sense? No. How the relationship will develop? I think Lansley says it will change over the next yeah. 10 years, I think was what he said. You know, yeah. we'll see how that pans out. And I think Milburn as well says, you know, we're some way along a journey here. And I think a lot of them talk in, in their advice and uh, for the next incumbent about giving it time. And there's this feeling that we are on a journey and that actually, rather than fiddling with it, let's, let's see what happens and uh, what that might look like down the line. It might be a bit different. Thank you, Nick and Ed. And if you want to read the interviews in full, the book is available online and Nick has written an article in this week's BMJ.